0: And I was like, five years in the faith, I learned that amen meant so be it, or that is the truth. Uh, so I was, I was worship. when I was worshiping, I, I just felt like we were supposed to continue in prayer a little bit. Um, feel free to, to get on your knees if you want, I'm going to. There's something about posturing ourselves in a, in a, in a place of bowing before God. God is a, is a king, and they're, they're our king loves humbleness he loves that we're humble under his mighty hand and so I believe that there is a power in our posturing and so um, we see that in the word all throughout the word in terms of people posturing um, what they're doing whether it's you know being on their face before God Um, so at the very least, just, just bow, you know, bow over your knees kind of in a place of posturing um, in obedience and in, in reverence. And Lord, we just come before you. You are a king. And we're so very grateful that we have a God that is huge, that is sovereign, that cares, that you are... RULING THE WORLD, THOUGH THE ENEMY HAS a, a, A BIT OF POWER, IS THE PRINCE OF THIS WORLD, YOU ARE GOD, AND YOU ARE GOOD, AND WE BOW BEFORE YOU, WE ADMIT WHOLEHEARTEDLY THAT WE NEED YOU, EVERYTHING THAT WE HAVE IS a gift of grace from you nothing we've nothing we have is earned it's all because of you and your love have your way with us we are your bond servants
1: we wholeheartedly
0: choose to to be your slave to be your servant and we thank you that you also rise us up into a place of of your family that you call us your children that you call us brothers and sisters You're so good. And just, just in this place. I, I just felt like as I was, as I was worshiping, I had this vision. And and I, um, I don't know if you've heard this before, but the gift of preaching actually is, is associated with prophecy, in the sense of a, of a person giving a word to a, a body, to the body of believers, and. As I was standing there just asking the Lord for, for a word for you all, I just, I saw this person st- sitting down in front of a fire, not a, not a fire that's like a, a, a gas fire, it was a wood burning fire, so there was a, a great heat coming from it, but the person in front of the fire w- was cold, and it was, I just saw this person drawing near to this fire, but yet not feeling the the warmth, and Lord, if there's a person here who's just not been experiencing your warmth, that they've been drawing near to you, but but they don't seem to experience your love, we just lift them up to you and pray that they would understand that you are closer than a brother, that you are in them, that you demonstrated your love for them on the cross. There's no greater love that we could experience, that, that you came and died for us. Thank you, Lord, that when we don't experience your love in our emotions, even in our thoughts, that we can know in our hearts in faith that you love us deeply. Help us to be rooted deeply in that faith. Hallelujah, Amen. So, are you excited to hear what God has to say to you tonight? Yes. I want to get out of the way, honestly, and and I want you to not be looking at me and and thirsting or desiring from me in any way, shape, or form, but to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and how he might speak through me to you tonight. I adore you. So, <clears throat> we, we just thirst for your word for us tonight, Lord. We desire to know what you have to say to us. We trust that you will speak to us, and we, we are excited to hear from you. That you desire deeply to bring us closer to you, to reveal yourself to us through your word. We rejoice in that. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 through 13. I've never read from this version, I don't think, but I, I believe as I read through the Greek and really is, you know, just analyze what the Greek word said, I think this was the best for verse 12. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Verse 13 I took from the Weymouth New Testament, another translation I never really read from, but as I was looking for the best, um, I felt like this was this was it. Um, On the contrary, verse 13, encourage one another day after day, so long as today lasts, so that not one of you may be hardened through the deceitful character of sin. There are there are five things I want you to take away from today, um, and I'm going to kind of categorize them. There are really two main ones, but the first one is that unbelief or wrong belief and sin will harden your heart and take you out of the rest of God. So our, our wrong belief and our disobedience takes us out of shalom, Last week, if you, did, if you didn't listen to the podcast or weren't here, um, highly recommend you go online and, and, or on your phone and listen to Brian Fenimore. Um, Bob Holloway and Lee and Paula got to listen. you know, just it's so awesome to have them, you know, in terms of the podcast. They're great, great people of God. And so highly recommend you listen. I listened to, the, to each of those sermons twice um, over the last week or two just soaking in what God had to speak through them to me. And last week, Brian emphasized shalom, the shalom rest of God, the wholeness of God. God desires all of us to be whole in him. It's something to seek after, and we'll look at that in Hebrews tonight. Um, The second one, pay attention to your heart and the hearts of others that you, us, that we, plural, would not fall away or depart from God. So God wants us to understand on a deeper level that we are one body. Jesus prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. This is not like a, a you know, when you, when you actually read that for what it's worth, you're like, this, this has to be deeper than what we experience. The family of God, like the family, some, some of us have siblings or parents that we're really, really close with. He wants us that intimate with everyone in the body. He wants us one on a deeper level. Obviously, the, the greatest example of that is supposed to be marriage, one flesh. But on a very similar level, we're called to be one with each other as a body. So pay attention to your heart, but pay attention to the hearts of those around you that you would not fall away or depart from God, that they as well. So tell Christian people, the number, the three one, tell tell Christian people that are significant in your life to please exhort you and pray for you regularly, okay? So this is a rarity. Um, No one has ever asked me to do this. I've asked multiple people to do this, and I ask each one of you to do this. I know that, you know, a few of you I don't know at all, and you're not necessarily significant in my life, but I do ask you to exhort me. If you hear something from this message tonight, feel free to come after. I'm going to be sitting and eating food. You could be like, I'm not sure about what you said about that. I truly and sincerely, and when I say this to you, um, I highly encourage you to find a few people in your life that you give the liberty to exhort you, to encourage you. That word exhortation we're going to look at maybe if we have time (laughs) To, to look at that, it's, it's admonition, exhort, exhorting, encouragement, but the mentality is that they're, that you're inviting people into your life to see if you have any sin so that they can confront that and say, you might not see this, but this is what I see that you're wrestling with. This is what I see you struggling with. A lot of people... When we do that, it enables people to have more freedom and liberty in our lives. Does that make sense? Okay. So number four, tell Christian people who are significant in your life that you are going to exhort them. (laughs) This is always a fun one. So I'll ask people to exhort me, and then rarely do I. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, yeah, please exhort me too. (laughs) But I I just really encourage you to meditate on this word from Hebrews and, and actually tell other people that that are significant in your life that you heard this message on Hebrews chapter 13 or chapter 3 verse 12 to 13 and that you're commanded by God to actually exhort others and so it's it's good to probably talk to them and say hey this is what I'm going to be doing so I've told my sister my sister I've told my daughter this told my son this I've told a few other people in my life this generally though I really live in, in the number five, which is I just exhort people. I don't, I don't warn them ahead of time. I just exhort them. Because um, it really doesn't say in the scriptures anywhere that I know of, like, tell people that you're going to exhort them ahead of time. Um, but I think it's wise to do that just because then people, will you know, you'll be able to dialogue with them. Is your heart in this place of being exhorted by me? They might say to you, uh, I don't want that. At least there's a clarity there right? And if they're a believer, then you can actually exhort them anyway and tell them, you know, tell them you need to have a heart of humility that welcomes this because we need it because the word says it. So number one, unbelief, wrong belief, and sin will take you out of the rest of God. We have to consider the context of Hebrews chapter 3 verses 12 through 13. So we're going to start with verse 7 and, and I just encourage you again to just, just close your eyes and listen to the word. Let the word of God wash over you. So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. And he's talking specifically about the Israelites coming out of Egypt, entering into the wilderness there are two times, where basically they don't have any water and they start to grumble. Verse 9, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation and said they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. It's God speaking. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be any in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Hebrews 4, verse 1, Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains for all of us, Let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short, for we have not received the good news just as they did. For all, sorry, for we also have received the good news just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them, since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he said. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. And and I know that's a long passage. I, I highly recommend you meditate on that more. As I've meditated on that over and over and over again, you see that God associates our rest with our obedience and with our faith in who he is. This is huge because it needs to be there in order for us to truly exhort in selflessness, if, we don't, if we're not resting in who God is, what he's done for us for eternity, if we're not understanding the depth of, of what sin does in our own lives and taking us out of the rest of God, we're not going to be able to exhort as God wants us to exhort others. So strive, it's, 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 the, the scriptures are full of dichotomies where he says, well, we're supposed to rest, but we're supposed to strive to enter his rest. How does that work? you guys need to to press into these words so that you understand what that means. I believe it means that we're supposed to, if we don't have the rest of God, we have to strive until we're there, and then we're there. Then do we have to strive anymore? No, because we're there. But if if you're not experiencing rest in your life, stop. Go to God and say, I don't have your peace. I don't have your rest. What is going on? There are lots of reasons why God allows us to come out of his rest. It's not, they're not all bad things. Part of, part of this word is that sometimes we lose the rest of God because we're called to exhort somebody near us because God loves them so much, and he's filling us with deep love for them, and we're turning away from them because we just don't want to deal with it. But he's saying, no, if you just spoke a word to this person, they would be set free it's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to every one of you in this room that you've heard a word of exhortation from somebody that actually set you free from some lie that you used to believe, something that used to hold you in bondage. Um, I heard a funny story. This, it's not a funny story, but it's, a, it's funny in the sense that it goes along with what I'm talking about. So this guy was in this chain of, of texting with a group of men, and one of them is like, I just got in a motorcycle accident, and I think I might have internal bleeding. Well, he, d- he hadn't gone to the doctor yet, and two of the people on that chain are actual doctors, and they're like, yeah, this is not good. Like, you should really go get checked out. And this guy, evidently being a man's man, I don't know him, was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I think I'm fine. And the doctor's like, no, like, if you think you have internal bleeding, like, you need to go to the doctor immediately and, like, send him a list of the things that could be and they're all bad, you know, some of them leading to death. So, so he goes in, and sure enough, he's got a torn urethra and a broken bone. A co- I think it's called a coccyx bone. So, so thank God these men that were on that text chain didn't just say, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. They had an unrest. Obviously, the doctors did because they were trained up to understand this. But aren't we all in the faith called to be trained up in the word of God, meditate on a day and night that we'd be careful to do everything written in the word, right, for us? And in that same vein, as we, again, consider ourselves one with other believers, that we'd be paying such attention to other people that when somebody is walking out of sin, we'd step into their lives and love them and exhort them. I'm amazed at how much I have to exhort, but then I read the scripture and I say, "Oh, now it makes perfect sense." Why the writer of Hebrews, who you know most believe it's Paul, but it, you know that's another another topic, says, and I'll go to it. I'll go to it now. Verse thirteen: On the contrary, encourage one another day after day, so long as today lasts, so that not one of you may be hardened through the deceitful character of sin. So he repeats basically, do it now, do it today, three times. We need to make this a part of our culture, a part of our norm. And I, I was talking with Chris just before I was up here, and he was talking about how, I was like, when are you, you going to speak? Because Chris, if you listen to Chris speak, he's he's got such wisdom, he's got such a piece about him, and And uh, he's he's experienced a lot in life, and, and, you know, and and God has tested his faith, and through the testing of the faith, it produces perseverance and character, and you grow in this understanding of how God works, and he's talking about how how he experienced grace fairly recently. And what it means to actually live in the grace of God where you're not performing. You just realize that God loves you and he loves to bless you. It's not stuff that you've done, right? And I said, well, it's interesting because I'm going to be talking about exhortation tonight. And there's a grace in exhortation. Has has a person done anything for you to deserve you going up to them and saying, you know, I see that you're struggling with smoking cigarettes. I just want to help you with that. Not a lot, maybe a few. Maybe a few have, have done the same exhortation in your life but the, the point I'm trying to make though is that as we love people more fully it, it f- we flow into this grace of speaking words of life into them my uh, so I when I became a Christian I was smoking a lot of weed I was doing LSD, I was smoking cigarettes I was drinking a lot of beer I was Uh, putting people down, like, with my wit, I love to, like, anything people did, I grew up kind of in in an atmosphere of of brotherly love, you know, with my friends and stuff, where we just would always look out for people, and and if they did something, we just make fun of them, right, so it's, oh, yeah, that's funny, and we just, uh, a one-up, and so probably some of you have experienced that before, I had to be broken of it, And, and why I'm bringing up all these sins of my life is the reality of the freedom I have now, I don't smoke weed anymore, I don't smoke cigarettes, I don't dip, I don't, On and on, God has refined me through the exhortation of brothers and sisters in the faith and through the personal exhortation that the Holy Spirit has given me, saying, today is the day, Chip. Today is the day you're going to stop. Oh, how about, can I just stop tomorrow? Well, yeah, if you want more death in your life. (laughs) So, so... I believe that the Lord wanted to bring that up to all of you because we're all in this journey together. But because of that, we don't want to say, "Oh, it's just a sin. it's just this. It's not that big of a deal." Like for me, um, you know, two two big things that the Lord has convicted me of are my love of food, and I, I love to eat, um, but I, I to a point where I idolize it to the point where it makes me sick, and then my um, my love when I go to bed and just sit with the iPad and scroll through Facebook feeds and look at videos and waste an hour before, you know that I could be using to sleep so that I wake up rested <laughs> or even just meditate on his word before I go to bed. Um, we're all in process. But I, I admit those sins to you because I ask for you to exhort me in these things and I ask for you to pray for these things in my own life. We need each other. Unbelief, wrong belief, and sin will harden your heart and take you out of the rest of God. Be aware of your heart and the hearts of others that we would not fall away from the living God. It's interesting, the word living in Greek is associated with living water. Our living God is a wellspring, right? He constantly is, constantly telling us, I'm sorry, he's constantly filling us with his life-giving water. Like right now, I'm thirsty. And metaphorically speaking, though, we go to the well, we're thirsty, right? God puts this thirst in us for more of him. I I was worshiping, and I'm like, oh, God, tonight, tonight, you know, that you just come and you're fired, tongues of fire. Come on, Lord, you know, like, gosh, when you taste and see that he's good, you just want more of that goodness, kind of like Breyer's mint chip ice cream." The word hardened, like a, a hardened heart, that word is, is a, a likened to a desert. So God is saying, hey, I'm in the living water. Make sure your heart doesn't get to a place where you're a desert, where you're, where you're dry. And like he, he, he wants us to be a sponge that's just been wrung out, not a sponge that's been sitting there for days with, days without him right, because when you pour that water on the sponge that hasn't had, you know, it it doesn't soak in, it takes a while, and I'm not saying that that has to take a while with the Lord, but I'm saying, I just thought it was very interesting, the the differences of those words, that God wants us to be watching our own hearts and the hearts of others, because what happens is, when we allow sin to take over, and, and we disobey, and we stop believing that God is good and who he says he is and what he, and what he wants to do in our lives, like Paula was talking about in her sermon, about life, like our faith, and what is our, our faith and action looks like healing, it looks like prophecy, it looks like, you know, exhortation, encouragement, it looks like life, bringing life to people. Hey, Steve, welcome, brother. <clears throat> And when we allow that sin and that disbelief to creep into our lives, right, we can stop even knowing the truth. I've seen this in my life. As a, as a vehement pursuer of the Lord, my heart got hardened to certain areas of my life that I allowed the enemy to, to take over. I allowed my flesh and my sin to take over to the point where I, I was blind to those things. I really needed a smack in my face, truly. Um, I'll end with this story, even though I've got 48 more. Um, so I have an accountability partner, I had an accountability partner, sorry, we met for five years every week, every week, the the youth pastor before me had committed a horrific act with a kid in the program, with a, a, yeah, and um, so I was put in this position, and the elders were like, it's wise to assign an elder to you, to any person who's in full-time ministry, and to check in with them on a regular basis, right, so I remember sharing with him that I, I was dipping tobacco, and like, it's, for most, it's like, ah, it's not a big deal. But, like, the Lord had been convicting me. So I shared it with him, and his response was, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But what should he have said? I had little kids at the time. It is a big deal. Ki- you can get throat cancer and die. Like, there's no reason why you should be turning to this. How can I help you to stop dipping? But because, you know, it, it, he didn't, I don't think, knew this word. I think it was just like, oh, you know, there's so, so many worse things you could be doing in life. Take the time to look at the people in your life and, and tell one or two, please exhort me. I need your eyes. You I, I work in home building, and we do these things called quality assurance walks, and I go in there about a week before the homeowner comes in for their celebration orientation, and I see so much stuff, like 50 items that somehow passed everybody else's eyes. We need each other's eyes on ourselves. Welcome that. Desire that. Please help me. You're not asking for people to be, like, pointing the finger and, like, you should stop dipping and walk away, you know, all righteous and proud. You're asking the people that love you to help you to find the rest of God, the shalom of God, by releasing that act of sin in your life. And and practice gracefully exhorting others. And I'm going to be, you know, preaching next month. Going through what it looks like, How do we exhort others? Um, just read this last thing that I wrote, page 28. <laughs> you laugh. You laugh, Paula. I'm just going to throw these all away until I get to that page. <laughs> we exhort, we exhort with grace, we exhort with mercy. We exhort gently. We exhort with wisdom from God. We exhort from our experience. We exhort from the word of God. We we exhort with compassion and understandingly. We exhort with peace. And there are some times that we need to exhort, like in 1 Corinthians, 5, I believe it is, where we exhort by saying, I turn you over the devil, that your flesh would be destroyed, that you would be saved for eternity, because there are certain believers in the faith that when they're exhorted repeatedly, still say, I don't care, I'm going to continue to do this. And if we're one body, there are times when we need to exhort somebody to the point where we want nothing to do with them, because being in relationship with them could cause them, or sorry, can cause them, yeah, could cause them death. So, Lord, we just thank you for this word um, we know that, that that type of exhortation is very rare. But Lord, help us to know the full counsel of your word. Bring people into our lives that would wisely and lovingly exhort us. Thank you for the, the gift of exhortation. Thank you for bringing people into our lives that we can share our experiences with, that they would understand, like Chris was sharing, that they would understand the grace of God. Help us to not, to not just think exhortation is about people stopping smoking, or, but that, that we'd actually understand that we can exhort people in their understanding of your grace and your mercy and your rest we love you. We thank you for the food we're about to receive. Thank you again for Sharon and, and just the, 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 the work that she put in to give us this divine cuisine. Thank you for this time we've had together. We love you. And Holy Spirit, we do ask that you would exhort us. Lord, we, we need your conviction. Lord, if there's any air of our lives that, that we're just, we're dry, we're hardened to, that, that you would wake us up. For your glory, amen.